Welcome to Hit Different, your weekly music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl, Sos Fiamoli, and Harvey Sutherland. Don't talk yet, Harvey Sutherland, Mike Katz. Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about Brass Against, the lady who did the pee on the on the dude. So, so you're going to be talking about... Bitcoin as music currency. And Mike Katz, who still hasn't talked. We'll talk about your career. Oh, yeah. We have arrived, my friends. We have arrived at Hit Different this week. Uh, we're talking to our man in LA. Melbourne time, it is 10.35. In LA, what time you got there? Harvey Sutherland, a.k.a. Mike Katz. Uh, we are we are coming up on 3.45 in the afternoon on a Love. sunny Saturday. Sunny Saturday. Sunny Saturday in uh, Los Angeles, California. Love it. You can support Hit Different and other Mushroom podcasts and, you know, Artists that are swanning it up in uh, in LA, <laughs> covering Australian music by becoming a subscriber. When you subscribe, guys, you get everything first. So we're going to do a bonus episode, act surprised when it happens, with uh, Harvey Sutherland today about music that hit different for him over his career and over his life as a, as a wee tacker. I feel like you've always been tall, but we'll get to that. You get that on a Monday <laughs> when everyone else has to wait until Thursday. So basically, you're ahead of time. We're actually ahead of time from Mike as well. He's in LA. He's um 15 hours behind us, and yet. His synth wizard, space funk, neurotic odyssey is kind of, you know, light years ahead of us. We'll get to that, though. Friends, quick check in. What took you to LA, Mike? Well, a number of reasons, mostly uh, work-related. I had some opportunities over here to shoot some music videos and do some writing and some press and things for for unnamed Things that are, okay. that are in the works. Ooh, we'll get it out of here. Booked and busy. I love to see it. Booked, <laughs> booked and busy. Booked and busy. Doing the grip and grin. The grip and grin. Mm-hmm. Hey, my cats. <laughs> you're mad in LA. There's there's a lot of schmoozing going. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Groovy. I will check in with you whether you've ever uh, peed on a person during a live set. First, though, God. we need to go to what's happened. Friends, the current story, everyone's still talking about it. I think it's fantastic. Brass Against his lead singer, Sophia Eurista, gave a fan a consensual golden shower in Daytona. Another fan recorded it, posted it on the internet. Of course, it's now being viewed millions of times. And the next day, the band put this message out on their socials. We had a great time last night at Rockville. Welcome to Rockville. Sophia got carried away. That's not something the rest of us expected. <laughs> it's not something you'll see again at our shows. Thanks for bringing it last night, Daytona. Firstly, we live in the age of the apology. It's so annoying. I like the fact that I didn't say sorry at first. Uh, Sophia has gone on Twitter and sort of said, said sorry. You know, I guess she's probably just kind of putting out a fire um, in a different way. That statement effectively makes it an NFT for that one fan. Okay. Oh it's a non-fungible token for that one dude who clearly loved getting this treatment. And I love the fact that in the background, the, the other guy- It's pretty fungible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just for that one yeah. fan. Okay. She says she's never going to do it again. So we can get right into the, you've got your, on your face, you're like, all right, let's, let's dig deep into this. I saw years ago, my friends, if we could sort of on this topic, uh, saw six foot hick at Cherry Rock, great uh, Brisbane, kind of like very raw as Hessian uh, punk rock band and a fan in the front row 
whipped out her boob and squeezed breast milk <laughs> and it hit the guitarist and he was like, oh, fucking hell, mate. But he kind of loved it and made the show even better. It was a pretty amazing moment. Um, <laughs> what's kind of, have you, have you guys seen anything sort of similar? This kind of a crazy sort of stage antics slash um, fan and, and uh, singer and, and, you know, musician interaction? Nothing but nothing with bodily fluids, <laughs> which is probably for the best. The last big day out that happened, so what, 2013, 14, whenever whenever that was, watching the Hives play and I was front row because I was waiting for Arcade Fire and Helen Pelly from the Hives jumps off stage and it's like a stinking hot summer in Adelaide. So it's like everyone's been hanging out in like 37 degree heat. He jumps off stage, goes up to the girl next to me, like everyone's like arms out and it's like a real good collective experience. He licks her face and it's like, if you can just like imagine sweat when it's that hot, it's almost mm. like tangible and you're just like, yep. I can smell that from here. I will never forget mm. that because she was just like, oh my God, this was amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like I'm, all, I'm down for like being caught up in the moment, but if I'm already feeling disgusting and someone decides to jump off a stage and just lick my face and go on about their day, I'm like, oh, I don't, mate. He obviously, he saw it in her eyes that she was down with it. Um, I just think it all the sunscreen would be quite gross. Yeah, but it it was weird. It wasn't one of those like sexual things either. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a thing of like, oh, like we've been eye fucking each other the whole set and this is what's going to (laughs) happen. It was like literally I'm just going to get off the stage. I'm just going to lick you. And then I'm just going to keep on rolling with this show, you know, headbutting other people and stuff. And I'm like that. What goes through your mind where you're just like, this is what I'm going to do today. This is how I'm going to give that fan that experience. <laughs> I love it. I think it's fantastic. Anything, Mike, that you've seen along those lines? You know, you see some things in a dark nightclub, you know, at four o'clock in the morning. It's best left. Best left in that uh, <laughs> in that space. <laughs> what is acceptable sort of on stage during the, the heat slash excitement of a concert and what isn't? Um, and if it's consensual between fans, is it any of our business? Because I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's, it's all consensual then. It all makes just for a fantastic spectacle, to a degree. I mean, I don't want to see someone shit on someone, so baby, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into that. By the way, this is a really good use of all of our time. Okay, I'm just, ha- yeah. I'm just, I'm just yeah. happy that 10:45 a.m. I've heard um, Sosie's eye fucking. That's pretty. Good. It's a pretty good start to the day. Well, yeah. I mean, when it comes to consent, it's a, it's a hard one, right? Because we're in a time now where everything is so like. I think everyone's just almost too much on alert they're a bit hyper aware about what's what's good and what's not good i don't know going off this specific incident um having watched the video it definitely looked like he was into it and i feel like in in that instance i don't know if it was even a stage thing is that it seemed to happen quite smoothly as well like i don't know (laughs) like how you're gonna pee that strongly on like just on cue like that. So maybe she'd been holding it in. I don't know if it was staged, whatever. But the No stage fright. Yeah, yeah, no stage fright at all. I was gonna say there would be stage fright involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know, in that case, like he didn't seem traumatized by it. Like I feel like it's become more of a thing now because it's just gone viral and people have, you know, kind of forced an apology out of them, mm. perhaps. Um mm. but yeah, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like it's a mm. it's a moment in time. People are gonna get over it. 
Mike, I remember seeing when you were playing live with Bermuda, I think it was at Sugar Mountain, you just sort of, you know, you're playing a whole bunch of like amazing shows where just that Harvey Sutherland thing was just really blossoming and as it continues to. And then young Monty from Client Liaison would love to get on stage and sort of vamp it up and give you just, you know, sort of back and forth, give you throw down his Prince moves. And I can just see a little thing in your face at the time, kind of like, like okay, mate, <laughs> you've had your, you had your phone. Oh, was it? Was it that? <laughs> I, think, I think I remember screaming. I think I remember just screaming. Really? Take us back to one of those moments because we're talking, I guess, about stagecraft and consent. And you know, you you've poured your heart into have a very specific kind of performance, and having someone to come along and go, actually, I'm going to make this about me a little bit. I'm all for for wild things kind of happening in the moment, and and you know, people getting the better of their uh, impulses. For one, Monty. You know, he's done that more than yes. once. So. <laughs> he has. So, you know, if if anyone needs some impulse control. But um no, I'm look, I'm all for, you know, antics on stage. It's been a it's been a long time since, you know, I've really experienced mm. it. You know, so yeah, it'll, be, it's uh, true. it'll be nice to see see what the you know, what the, the new world of mm. of kind of playing shows and, and people with all their kind of pent up frustrations and emotions and for you just looking at um how we've all got through the last year and a half i know daniel andrews tweeted out zero the amount of cases we can finally announce today anyway i remember you retweeted zero and you said the amount of shows i've played since march <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's, it's been rough it's you know it's been a tough time it's, it's nice to th- see things are kind of on the up again and people are back in the back in the club and back on stage and mm. you know, things are sort of starting to kick off so I'm, I'm looking forward to it with your sort of uh, DJing I, I've seen you slay many many sets I mean, you dropping the um, the Francis Inferno Orchestra I think it was after Sugar Mountain you were DJing at Ga- the Gasometer I rolled in there was it Sugar Mountain? I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You, were, you were on stage and you were doing the full Mike Katz, like the whole body roll thing. Like I loved it so much. And you're <laughs> you playing like the track of the moment, which was the Francis Inferno Orchestra Jam. Over the years, I'm sure you've had moments where people have sort of, you know, impinged on your space. Do you have any sort of like, even as for me as a DJ, I've had some shocking experiences with, with <laughs> women asking for pitbull and like, you know getting abused and nearly getting glass and all kinds of all kinds of things that, that, that have happened um firstly do you think do you think djs have enough protection uh and just any any sort of specific experiences you've had where you've got, you know got into a bit of a hairy situation where you've had to sort of like you know protect yourself i think largely djs are, are fairly well looked after i'm sure there are certain you know there, there are definitely situations in kind of more unrestrained club settings and underground spaces mm. where you know, it might be sort of the line between you know where where the act is, you know where the where the performer is and where the audience is is, yeah. is kind of blurry, and you're kind of in the in the the thick of it. You know, I, I played a show in Sydney uh, a few months back, actually, pre pre lockdown. It was just it was teeming. It was so full on, and and you know, I mean, it was partly my fault because I had encouraged people onto the <laughs> stage, and then. Immediately regretted it. <laughs> Found the booth get it kind of getting pushed back into the corner, oh, no. and people becoming more and more sort of rowdy. That's fun to a point, but you know you are happy to have security there. Yeah, <laughs> at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Were you playing records? Were you playing USBs? Were you playing CDs? What were you? No, it was just a USB situation. I'm not a. Yeah, that could have been no records in that situation. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Didn't want that at all requesting ABBA in your face quite loudly over time. So perhaps you've always <laughs> been able to navigate away from those kind of gigs. No, that still happens. You know, it's it's more the phone being wa- waved in your face. Yeah. The videoing of you with the light on. Yeah. Oh, the, the yeah. Camera, the camera True. light on. Sent there. 
throwing the uh, throwing the vibe out is always a, a, a personal pet peeve. It's an <laughs> occupational hazard. Someone uh, held up "Sexy Eyes" by Wigfield on their phone last night. I played it. It was great. It did was you? Actually... I was going to say it, it's a banger. Did you play you're, it? You're ready for almost every situation. I am. <laughs> I do have an old bait premium Spotify as well, so played the Taylor Swift um, 10 minute version too for a group of girls who are having their 21st at Riverland at six o'clock in the afternoon. They were so lovely. You'd think a group of girls that had been on Pinot Grigio for three hours would have been awful. They were. They were lovely. They were delightful. So it feels like Melbourne in particular is kind of we're, we're re-emerging in a in a real kind of positive kind of like I'm very happy to be here. Very lucky to be here. So. Yeah, I feel like there's this sort of. I also think Melbourne's kind of taken the pickle out of its ass the last few years as well. Something I've said quite a few times on Hit Different. I think it's very, very important too. We're talking about, you know, to echo your sentiments. So it's about living in this age where we, everything is is that consensual and did it and just sort of being on eggshells. I think if we just had mm. used a lot of common sense. I think it, it's it's yeah. I think it's well, what it comes yeah. out. We just have that common sense kind of like okay, where's the line? We, we're all grown ups here, kind of vibe. Yeah, I think so. Because I feel like it just, like, it does make things a bit more complicated. And I feel like that's what leads to people maybe overthinking. Not to say that people shouldn't be thinking about their behavior and how they're, you know, thinking about their uh, spatial awareness at these sorts of events. Because I think that is definitely important. But also, that should just be a common sense thing as well, right? Just like being aware of like what's around you and and your interactions with other people and, and just be respectful. And in being respectful, that doesn't mean that you can't have fun. It doesn't mean that you can't break loose. Just be smart about it, you know? Friends, you can hunt down Mikey Carl, a.k.a. Joey Lightbulb, Mike Katz, a.k.a. Harvey Sutherland, Sauce the Boss, Fiamoli, on socials. Be nice to us. We can have interaction. We can talk about all these kind of things and more. Uh, in a moment, though, we're going to be talking about Bitcoin in particular, rapper us rapper money man kind of weird so we to be called money man and beginning to the bitcoin thing um he's received a, mil- a million dollar album advance in bitcoin before you lead us off so in la mm. i'm sure you've had some interesting bitcoin chats mike hey you gotta get in the bitcoin you into crypto what's going on bro i'm trying to avoid it like the plague to be honest <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a it's there's scary. A lot. There's it's a lot. scary. There was a I saw a T-shirt that said uh, "Buy the dip" the oh other day. God. Thought, okay, it's What's really it's real kicking off here. Oh, it's, that's you know you got to buy low in your, in the crypto <sighs> game. You got to buy the dip. Yeah, I had a very short-lived oh, crypto experience go. last year. Uh, no, well, I was egged on, and it was just as all this NFT stuff was kicking off, and I thought, oh, okay, look, I'm going to get into. Ethereum, and I just don't have the constitution. <laughs> I I can't. It's hard. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. Ch- it's another thing you got to check every day. I'm looking at the, you know, watching my money disappear, and I'm like, oh no, this is this yeah. is too much for me. Too much dip. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Too much. Rojan's Rojan's more of a gambler uh, in, in that, in <laughs> that world than Rojan. I am. Rojan. Oh my god. Crazy Jack Nicholson. All right. Uh, so t- tell us about US rapper Money Man. Yeah, Money Man has a, you know, maybe that's a good reason why he's picked that as his artist name because he is absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, he's from Atlanta. He's recently released his a new album. It's called Blockchain <laughs> uh, <laughs> through a US label called Empire. And this has been in the news because the founder of the label has, well, he transferred the equivalent of $1 million in Bitcoin to Money Man as an album advance. So there's a video on his Instagram. They're on a private jet. 
popping bottles like it's that sort of situation and his manager's just in the background with like two phones and he's like check your phone and he transferred it through cash app and so there's this video of this rapper just being like yo like we're going up we're going up and he's like showed like <laughs> his like um it's like his wallet sort of thing on video and I was just like that is so fascinating because you know we, we've seen like the growth of cryptocurrency and the popularity of it in like many different fields grow so consistently over the last few years that it sort of makes sense that the music industry would become more sort of affiliated or switched on to it. Um, but the the thought of getting a six-figure album advance in a, in a currency that is not cash money um, kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was just like, oh, that, that could really change the game. Um, funnily enough, too, Money Man had been signed with Cash Money Records, um, which is – for you know hip-hop fans i'll know that's the record that birdman and Lil wayne have been like part of he was with them up until 2017 and he ended up buying his way out of that contract which was about 250,000 us just through the earnings he'd made from early crypto investments so when i think about that i'm like okay this isn't just like a rapper who's just like okay i'm gonna make a bank off of bitcoin like he's clearly been in it for you know quite a few years and he's obviously been studied on it. He's been looking into it and just being really smart about it. So we're seeing crypto, NFT culture, other digital currencies becoming normalized in the fields of sports, retail, and now in politics. As of, you know, fellow music industry professionals, uh, we kind of already referred to it, but do you trust crypto enough to be paid in it? I'm very, I'm really interested in, in what's happening with crypto. Not necessarily in the, you know, I, w- I want a, a cash advance from a label yeah. paying a, a different currency. The system itself has a lot of possibility for the music industry in terms of artists having more kind of control over their copyright and control over their, you know, the how their work is, is sort of disseminated and the mm. way of sort of bringing community into it. I mean, there's really interesting stuff happening with a, a crew called Catalog. Uh, who are doing sort of music one of one NFTs? So it's like you essentially you're you're owning the one song that's sort of been produced, and people are sort of you know paying good money and and having um the, these kind of DAOs, these sort of groups of of investors mm. wanting to sort of invest in an artist quite early and sort of you know it's it's there's there's an interesting non-label centric ways of of this technology being kind of harnessed but um it might take a while yeah for the, you know, the the capitalist industry to sort of reorientate totally totally best, best answer we've heard today by the way that was fantastic <laughs> no, it was very very good um it does feel like in a way too because streaming is kind of like finally paying you know obviously pay more artists but the streaming thing's kind of had a nice big uptick in recent times and now there's more disruptions come along <laughs> for the music industry it's like just when you thought okay you kind of get the lay of the land um did either of you ever have a myspace page i did yeah i did yeah I, I never got into it and i was like okay cool i missed that that's fine with this though it does feel like my, myspace came and went if crypto and, and nfts ain't going anywhere they're going they're going to get more and more popular and i think it's yeah it's, de- it's definitely not sort of a flash of so in a way i feel like i should be jumping on board but i wouldn't know where to start yeah it's a lot as an artist mike is there anything that you maybe even walking away from this conversation today where you're like mm, i might 
sort of, uh, I guess, um, what's the word? I diversify my artistic portfolio by sort of dipping your toe in there while you, especially while you're in LA or, or, or any sort of, you know, other opportunities that present themselves. I'm doing lots of reading and there'll be, you know, hopefully something kind of in the future that, you know, fe- that feels right. That doesn't feel like a kind of, like a, like a cash grab or, or mm. sort of, you know, jumping on a, a bandwagon. I sort of, I, I like what it kind of means for, you know, music communities and, you know, doing things in more of a DIY kind of way. Have you ever been interested in a Patreon page, um, those kind of things? I, no, look, I, I have. I'm not, I'm, I don't have the, uh, the energy. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's, that's such a big part of it. I look at people who do it and, you know, who are like YouTubers and, and you know, people who are on TikTok and, you know, and, and are constantly creating content and, and, you know, and making videos and doing this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm like, it's, it's amazing that, you know, that's sort of what you're kind of putting your energy into. But um, it, for me, it doesn't feel totally natural. Um, I just, I, I'm a bit more of a, a, a lone kind of producer when i when i'm making stuff uh, i'm not necessarily willing to share it with the world as it's being made um but you know i think different strokes. yeah and i mean i think you've been trying to find the funk and you found the funk and so that's a more <laughs> sort of a, a more long game endeavor for you yeah i am doing my best <laughs> to, <laughs> find <Yeah>. <laughs> to find the funk to find the funk find the way back to the funk. what about what about you so are you going to get into crypto at all well so my my partner is into crypto uh he's mm. been studying it up quite a bit my involvement in crypto has kind of just been by proxy so but again i feel like the, the big thing that i've learned over well the big biggest thing i've taken away over the last couple of years is that if you do want to be involved in it it does it does take quite a lot of energy and a lot of studying. Like it's not something you can just throw like a couple of grand at a wall and expect it to grow overnight, you know. It's like emotionally tasking, it's financially tasking, but if you can stick with it, I think it could it could be a really good thing. What I do feel like is interesting in terms of, you know, the, the place that musicians and artists are finding themselves in at the moment is like, this NFT space. We spoke with Max Shand about this on Hit Different quite a few episodes ago. And it's like this idea of artists creating these tokens or creating these like specific experiences for fans as a way of like, you know, further investing in their music just makes me think, do we think that there's now more pressure for artists to be creating beyond that core thing, which is the music to almost appeal more for fans to invest in them if this is the way that we're going like do we do we think that's necessarily a good thing like you know you're going to create a project of music but then there's almost like an onus from a label or from whoever to then be creating like these like unique album covers and these unique you know these really sort of unique pieces beyond that to then get people to to invest cash into what do you reckon well, my question, I'll answer your question with a question. Do you feel stretched thin sometimes, Mike, by this mm. um, sort of demand by the industry to, you know, to kind of be everything to everyone? Oh, yeah. The demand on content creation has just become so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I get it. I get it. Like, you know, people are finding things a different way. I mean, so many of the new, the artists that are sort of buzzing in LA or, you know, they're buzzing here at the moment, they're, they're coming from TikTok. Yeah. They're musicians that are just like got crazy TikTok followings. You know, they haven't put out a song yet, but they've got 
hundreds of thousands, millions of followers just by you know making videos. And so, yeah, there is a, a new demand, I guess, from the industry to to be constantly kind of making videos, making content, and you know, do this stuff for YouTube, do this stuff for TikTok. You know, mm. as as somebody that you know has always just wanted to make records, yeah. and play live and do you know what I felt to be you know quote unquote real world mm-hmm. things. It's tough to sort of reorientate. Mm. Yeah, I'm willing to sort of see what's out there and connect with my TikTok audience. <laughs> that was said with some charismatic trepidation. Mike, last one for you in this segment, parlor gigs, uh, serenade, uh, even cameo, uh, any of those things sort of coming to <laughs> Hi, I'm Harvey Sutherland. Happy birthday. <laughs> Does anybody want a cameo? <laughs> I'd be down with it. I'd be down with it. What's your price? I'll make – you know what? You, I don't even need to be on cameo. I'll just make a nice <laughs> – <laughs> Thank you. Every birthday, I'm Mikey. so down with this idea. But what it, like parlor gigs, uh, yeah. Any sort of any sort of appetite there, and and being on Serenade, do you have any things with Max Shan because he's sort of really hitting up people to um, like Hot Chipper on there, for instance. I'm not familiar with Serenade, but um, I I would love to do more stuff that's in that kind of you know DIY space, like you know more sort of low low key concerts and and those kinds of things. And you know, th- there's some interesting stuff happening here that I've been going to, which are you know these. It's like it's a text line, and they they text you where where the, the little party is every uh, every cool. weekend, and it's some little sort of ambient get together. Yeah, I saw and you posting it. You were sort of in a kind of crazy valley kind of vibe. It was in yeah uh, the Bronson Caves, yeah. which is sort of in Hollywood. Just this really amazing kind of very low key little get together um, that's being put on by a collective out here, and I love that sort of stuff. And I've always sort of been really really interested in in people doing that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean the parlor gigs and and that kind of space is is super interesting. Listeners, book Mike for parlor gigs. He's um reassuringly expensive. I don't know, that's the Stellar Artois uh, tagline. Um, what's what's the <laughs> oddest gig? Weddings, bar mitzvahs. Like, what's the odd, oddest gig you've ever done in a very kind of like you know what I'm going to do this because the money's good and it's it's going to be a bit of fun. I I, I once played at uh, at Melbourne Central in the middle of an, a shopping afternoon. <laughs> Which is not so strange on its own, but it was it was put on by uh, it was Jerry Poon and the operatives. Love. And I know he'd booked he'd booked this little stage uh, underneath the shot tower at Melbourne Central. I remember playing my like my live set to, <laughs> to sort of be- bemused shoppers at four o'clock in the afternoon. Awesome! I love that. That's certainly one that comes to mind. <laughs> Everybody remember Daimaru? Uh, uh, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> If there's something we should be covering on the show, hit us up. Hit us up, please. Let us know. We always, uh, we're all ears. We're, what are you, on the internet, what are we? We're all tabs. All our tabs are open to you, my friends. It's nearly funny. In a moment, <laughs> Harvey Sutherland's career. But first, a bit of music. We have arrived at the time where we talk in depth about Harvey Sutherland, the project of Mike Katz, the man, the mystery, the boogie machine, the synth wizard, the wiggly-hipped, neurotic funk overlord. When you, this is, you've got this huge new t-shirt which says, is it neurotic funk? Am I saying it correct? correctly? Neurotic, yeah. Neurotic funk after the, the German Beatles, uh, the band Neu. Um, when you hit upon that idea where you're like, has anyone done this? Holy crap, this is, this is mint. Yeah, it was one. Has anyone done this? And two, am I going to get? <laughs> um, I figured it was fair game. Feels fresh. Yeah, I love. Felt it. fresh enough. Felt fresh enough, and people seem to like it. So, uh, yeah, no, that was my uh, lovely friend Brett, who who 
put that design together as I, I sort of tried to explain to him over the phone. <laughs> Love it. Now, we've all talked way too much about the Schmanschbamic, so let's move on from that. The, your new stuff is fucking incredible. Jouissance is a, is a Jouissance. Jouissance is the French word for enjoyment, for pleasure, for life, for ex- excitement, adventure. It is and it isn't. In, in terms of where I had kind of come across it, it was in the context of psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. So Lacan talked about jouissance as this sort of unobtainable kind of pleasure mm. and a pleasure that, was, that you, you try to sort of achieve but you actually damage yourself in the process. Mm. It's kind of masochistic. Yeah, and does that, does that sort of uh, have parallels with your artistic creation? It's it's got parallels with everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, how did you connect it to the song? Uh, because it's as I said, there's something sort of very kind of uh, textural about this track. You know, mm. I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, "How did that song?" And it got into my head straight away. Like for a, an instrumental song to be able to like properly earworm into your, into your head after only a few lessons, it's you know, it's obviously doing its job. Oh, that's good to hear. I was making it in this kind of circular loop between me going to therapy and coming back to my studio. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sort of maybe have a, you know, have my sort of 45 minutes on the couch and then come back and start, you know, stuffing around on mm-hmm. a synthesizer. And, and yeah, it became this repetition. Um, and Amazing. so that, that's sort of where it kind of came from. And I, I was making a lot of stuff in that time with a sort of a similar bent, just kind of going into this kind of hole, trying to, trying to find the fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. What what instruments are you, are you using? Is it ARP on this? Am I right now? What what have you got? Uh, it's all it's all kind of the the, the core MS twenty. Cool. Um, sort of run through a bunch of pedals and effects and stuff, and then actually I've recorded a bit of it over here. Uh, the last time I was here with um, Chags Chamberlain, Melbourne legend. Uh, so he he put a bunch of squelches and things over the top of it, and and Graham Pogson uh, plays the relentless drums all the way through. No, I didn't know that. Dream Graham team Pogson from the Bamboos, Bermuda, GL. Yeah, dream team. Oh, really? <laughs> and yeah, what was the decision around that being the one to release? Like, if you sort of go back and forth the labels, you just have a gut feeling that was the one. It feels like a good, a good place to start. Mm. For, for where I'm going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, without going into too much, there's there's going to be some more next year and, and that feels like the place to be. Very, Fantastic. very cool. Place to be. LA with my cat. The place to be. <laughs> <laughs> this music is, um, is the sort of music I love as a bit of a soundtrack for those like weird like late night rabbit hole moments when I'm kind of up working late I you know I may have hit like a bit of a writer's block sort of situation this is a music that I will go to as a bit of a um not a bit of a break in programming but it it'll it it finds something inside my head that just snaps me out of it and it's gorgeous and it's it's just super luscious when you find that you might be in your creative process and you're coming up against like different mental obstacles or different creative obstacles like where do you find that you go to break yourself out of that like are there any specific sounds or like just any sort of creative go-tos that you that you kind of fall back on um if i'm if i'm hitting a wall i will i'll throw it to the machines like i'll yeah bring i'll put up a sequencer or i'll you know kind of program up some midi and just kind of start allowing a robot to do some of the work and then you know you'll sort of find 
a melody or you'll find, you know, a rhythm that you might not otherwise have found and then you can kind of go in. That's sort of what happened with Jewish Science. That was just a that was a, a 16-step pattern on a sequencer. Just that yeah, right. Do, 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 do. And then um, just kind of rinsed that and, and tweaked it out until it sort of turned into something. Uh, you also, Mike, have one of the hottest remixes in the world right now. New Ferrari Weird Flex 12-inch mix for Surprise Chef. This is just an incredible piece of work. Like you could, it's as soon Seriously, as you hear it, you're like, oh, so I good. want more. I can just. It's actually one of those ones as a DJ you want to, you know, rewind. Oh, I'm so glad that it's uh, it's being so well received. It really is, man. And I mean, Masters of Work also did a, a remix of it, which they did a fine job. But yours just just way out ahead. Have you got to play that in a club? Have you got to play it to friends? What's you you know the whole dissemination at the moment is is um you know it's quite sort of like are you getting there with it. I mean I I haven't had a chance to play in a club yet, but I, I've I've played it out in sort of you know in more relaxed settings, and it sort of seems to get a you know a cool response. But I'm I'm definitely getting John Bailey. I think messaged me the other day saying that it went off at Doctor Morse, and cool. uh, lots of people are enjoying it from what I can understand. So yeah, no, looking forward to maybe even trying to play it live with the band and yes, and, and, and see what happens there. When are you when are you playing live? What's you must be absolutely jonesing. Uh, well, basically, I'm back in Melbourne at the end of the year, and then okay. we pretty much hit the ground running. We've got we've got a bunch of stuff booked in January, sort of festivals through March, April, and some stuff yet to be announced. Ooh. But, um, but yeah, exciting exciting times ahead. Whereabouts are you playing, Bud? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. At all? Anything? New, just, there's something on just, New Year's just Eve. Just know it's, it's going to be a hot mic summer. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be a yeah. hot mic summer. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Buy the dip. Hot mic summer. <laughs> They're the two t-shirts we need. <laughs> Seriously, that's terrific. Um, you must New be- Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. That's all I can say. New Very Year's cool. Eve. Righto, mate. Um, who's going to be in your band this time around? Uh, this time around, uh, so we we, should, we did one show this year with uh, Hides Coyote back in May. That was in St Kilda, yeah. Was that the St Kilda? That was that was in St Kilda. That was the April Sun show, and that was the only band show we got to do before we all went back inside. Were you happy with how that that went? But that was great. And so that that's pretty much the the lineup for the for the time being. So we've Sick. Got, uh, Felix Bloxham on drums. Luke Hodgson, a uh, long-suffering bass player on, uh, on bass. And uh, Meg Christensen, who uh, is from Brisbane originally, used to be in a band called Pink Matter that I have worked with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she's a great keyboard player and so she's coming on to play kind of second keyboards and, and do some vocals. And So it's, cool. uh, we've got a, we've got a four-piece happening and, and yeah, awesome. hopefully some more. Wonderful. Great. If the if the gig demands it. My God, people want it this so bad. I can see you doing one forum, two forums, like, you know, cruising up Tivoli's, whatever. You had Bermuda, you know, with Tamil Rojan on, on violin, etc., and Cray and Graham Pogson from GL Bamboos, as we keep mentioning. What made you sort of go, okay, now I've I've done that. That was fun. You know, Resident Advisor loved it. A lot of people really, really got into it. You know, we did Golden Plains. He smashed it there, or Meredith, whichever whichever one it was. Well, yeah, what made you sort of go, okay, it's time for this new kind of uh, configuration? I just, uh, I've always just wanted to keep moving with stuff. And, and you know, I, I think that, you know, the Bermuda stuff was really cool because it was certainly a, a particular sound and it was, it was, you know, this kind of interesting, you know, lo-fi disco 
kind of thing. But you know, the the music mm. I have been making in the last couple of years was kind of getting away from that, and I, w- I was feeling less stringy and yep. and more kind of more guitar-y and more sort of um, you know with a bit more kind of grit. Yeah. So uh, so no, look, the, the band's ever evolving, mm. but um, I'm I'm kind of happy with where it is at the moment. I think I read an interview you were talking maybe to Resident Advisors saying how with your songs it's just two or three very distinct ideas and that every time I hear your music I can hear those just very distinct ideas played really well and sort of executed to the sort of basically you, you somehow sort of rinsed out the best of, of each of those these, these ideas is that still sort of your MO or am I talking out of my ass? <laughs> no no I'm, I mean that's that's still at the the heart of all, all of my production it's like it's got to be a strong you know a, a strong concept. central idea yeah totally yeah. it's it's got to have a hook it's got to have a hook and and you know i'm i'm very interested in pop music mm. and i i love you know partly you know why i'm out here is is doing a lot more writing for pop stuff mm. and and r&b and and you know working in that space and so i feel like a lot of those ideas sort of ring true especially you know if you're making kind of if you're writing songs and you're you're you know or you're write, writing instrumentals for you know a, yeah. a singer, that it just has to you know it just has to hook you. You must be writing on a bit of a vibe mm. because of Genesis Owusu just winning the the J Award for Album of the Year. It's a hot favorite oh, to win the Australian Music Prize as well. It's so great to see. I mean, he is just one of the most talented people in the country right now. And, and yeah, um, you know the, the the people around him, you know, the, like Andrew Klippel, who who produced. You know, much of the record, um, you know, has just had this vision for him, and it, it's it's very exciting to see. Tell us about the sessions yeah. you were involved with, in, with him. Um, actually, I, I met him quite sort of early on because um, I'd heard the song that he did with um, Simon and Pez from Hiatus. He did uh-huh. a track called Side, Sideways, which okay. I think was his first single or one of his early singles. Yeah, and I early, and I just I loved it. Single. I just I just thought the you know there's no Australian hip hop that kind of sounds like this right now. Um, no. And so we, we we just had a couple of days in the studio at my studio and you know, brought him down to Melbourne and we just made a bunch of stuff. Like I, I just kind of would would sit there on the MPC and just and make beats and he'd sit there quietly and and write just entire verses and entire songs just and then just get up and and deliver. So we yeah. you know, did a few of those and then and then Easy uh, ended up on the on the album. And I was I was thrilled to to sort of see that because you know we, we made quite a few things, but you know I really loved that song and and he did too in the end. So um, mm. that's the no. thing. He's so like he's so studious as well. Like every time I've um, been able to chat with him about just music in general, like he's just one of those people who is so into like the craft of it. Um, regardless of what genre we might be talking about. And I always found that super interesting because, you know, that's that's what a lot of us connect over. But, you know, you'd be talking to him and it's almost like you can see, like, the, the cogs in his brain kind of ticking over. Like, he's taking everything in. He's absorbing everything. And to be able to be part of those sessions, it's like I can only imagine what that was like as well because he didn't know, like, the, the band and stuff, like, they hadn't really – he hadn't worked with pretty much anyone before, right? Yeah, no, he'd been sort of. Well, he he did. I know he did some sessions with um uh, the Free Nationals over here, so Anderson Pack. Yeah, and so he'd been sort of moving around from you know through some different people, and um 
you know, but yeah, just really wanting to absorb, you know, all these different kinds of music and, yeah. and you know, having just an ear for, you know, weirder kind of punk sounds and, and mm. you know, talking heads and prints and like all these all these things that I've just, you know, so into, but like to for, you know, somebody that young to kind of be, you know, gravitating to that music as well and, and wanting to sort of you know, find influence in it. Definitely. No, it's, it's really inspiring. That absorption is also reciprocal. How did it enhance the vision you have for your work after hanging with Genesis? I mean, I just want to do more of it. You know, I just, I, I'm, I'm just so excited to kind of, you know, make interesting tracks that, you know, on their own might not necessarily, you know, have, have the source, but then, you know, if you've got a, uh, you know, an amazing vocalist that can kind of deliver a song, for it you know it, it just it completely lifts it so I'm, I'm you know i just want to do more of that and you're in la give us spill the beans young man who you've been hanging out with i know you've done sessions with kai back here so you got <laughs> you know you've done sessions with all kinds of different people uh but yeah la writing with r&b people all kinds of shit what's going on oh man i mean it's all it's all exploratory and you know it's there's a lot of everyone's it's a guest town you know, everyone will, <laughs> yeah, very everyone will be so. up to like, oh, yeah, I'll come and do a session with you. And then, you know, oh, sorry, man, I can't do it. But um, <laughs> no, no, I, I've, I did some work with uh, this, uh, this amazing singer and, and producer out of LA called um, Rush Davis. And so I've been working with him a little bit. Uh, he's just put out a record uh, with a, another producer, Kingdom, who who mm-hmm. used to run a label called Fade to Mind. So he produced like the Kalela record a couple of years ago. And, I love that record. Um, so Rush, R- Rush is doing really great stuff. I think he's really talented. Who knows? Who knows? It's all been a blur. Saying, yeah. saying yes. What, what saying, about, saying, saying yes saying to yes. things. What about the sessions the other day? Is there anything that's that's sort of like really stuck out to you that you're like, wow, this is really surprising me. This is my being my LA experience. Experience. Yeah, well, I mean, been doing a little bit of stuff for a label called Eighty Eight Rising. They're doing some amazing things right now. They do some incredible stuff. Yeah, so sort of writing writing sessions for for that. So working with the A and R to kind of build new ideas for, for their artists. and Very cool. You're saying with your stuff, it's a very sort of solo pursuit and, you know, you're going to get deep into it. How do you go, you know, working with people and throwing ideas back and forth, especially people that you've met on the day? Yeah, well, I mean, I really like it. You know, it can be, you know, it can go either way sometimes. You know, you, you know you'll, you'll get into the room and you know, the, the vibe will be a little bit off or, you know, I've been to sessions where like, you know, somebody brings their manager in and like the manager's sitting there like because they want to mm. like clock who's doing what. So, you know, you can work out the points. the splits later yeah, and, the, and all of this stuff. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of stuff kind of bums me out. Mm. But more often than not, it's it's really great because there's, a, you know, a lot of people here who are really talented and who really want to just, you know, make records. And so yeah. you, you have this kind of common purpose and as i said it's a yes town so it's like if you have an idea you've got a chord progression and you start playing something it's just like yeah man yeah keep going keep doing that like keep doing that you know you end up just making things very organically mm-hmm. and, sure. and just taking them through and you know you, you might have an eight-hour session you're like all right we've got to write two songs today you know, it's, it's very sort of tin pan alley in a way mm-hmm. but also you know you, you you write you can write some gold Terrific. Well, we expect to hear gold from you album dropping when? 
Can you give us a little? I'm not. I'm not allowed to talk about that, Mike. Well, someone's been but, talking uh, to me about your album, saying <laughs> you've got to hear the Harvey record. We've got. They got the Harvey record. So, yeah, anyway, I'm very excited to hear it. All right. Yeah. Well, yes. We're just manifest- manifesting it. You will hear You will hear about it soon enough. Excellent. People are frothing <laughs> pretty hard. Guys, we've gone from golden showers to uh, million-dollar Bitcoin <laughs> exchanges on a, on a plane popping champagne to the Yes Man Town um, in and out of Mike's therapy sessions producing jouissance. An absolute masterpiece. We don't say that lightly. <laughs> in a moment, uh, Mike, would you like to stick around and do a little tight little bonus episode about music that hit different for you sure thing wow who knew he would say yes to that he's a yes man in the yes town (laughs) i just i want one of our guests to be like no no i do not want to do that (laughs) carl i'm not feeling your vibe did not agree to this (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. bring the manager in (laughs) (laughs) support hit different another mushroom podcast spread the word about it smash us out a nice review or a bad review who cares we just want to make an impact on you my friends Thank you so much to Magic Mike Katz in LA, giving up his time for us, Mr. Harvey Sutherland and so Sophia Molly. We'll see you in just a moment after the drop. Mm-hmm. 